We continue to walk through this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And in these verses that we see this morning, I believe he continues to focus on the afflictions and the role of afflictions in the life of a Christian. That as believers, we are not immune to affliction, but that affliction will be the necessary and natural part of what it means to follow Christ. If Jesus wasn't to be spared affliction and suffering, why would we as his people think we would be? But God wants to give us hope in the midst of those afflictions. That while trials are indeed a reality, they're not a reality without hope and joy. That you can find hope in the midst of the terrible things that we might face as a result of being a Christian. Now I want to point out to you that the afflictions he's talking about here are, are not afflictions that we self-inflict. They're not afflictions that, are the, that arrive because of some sin in our lives. These are afflictions that arise because you identify with Jesus and, not, and the world is not going to enjoy that. They're not going to listen to you. They're not going to love you for it. That you're going to live in a world that hates you rather than is encouraged by you. And so Paul, in his own life, had had to experience this. Remember, he's writing this letter to the Corinthian church because there were people in the church rising up against him. There were people who were accusing him of not being a man of God and not representing God. He had to deal with that in a painful way. And this letter is the outpouring of his soul to them. That he was, in truly, he was truly burdened by the fact that there was a, a fracture between him and the church. Now, he receives word that they did respond to his correction, and yet there is still more to go. Paul, in his life, experienced monumental affliction. And yet, here in these verses, I believe he is giving the Corinthians, and by byproduct, us as well, the hope that we have in the midst of our trials and tribulations. He's continued in chapter 4 with this constant refrain, we do not lose heart, we do not lose heart, we do not lose heart. What Paul is doing is he's expressing to us the reality that we as Christians, because of the ministry we have of telling people about Jesus and facing constant rejection and affliction, we are going to be prone to give up. We're going to be prone to despair. We're going to be prone to say, this isn't worth it. This is too hard. And in that, Paul wants to encourage believers, do not lose heart, though you go and you wrestle against many different foes. Do not lose heart. Don't give up because God is showing his power in the midst of affliction and pain. That God is showing that ministry for Jesus is worth every step because he is demonstrating that God's power is above all other powers. That there is no one who is equal to him. There is no one who is more supreme than God is. And this morning, Paul brings this to bear in our lives as he once again encourages us as Christians, do not lose heart. In verse 16, Paul says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So we do not lose heart, he says in verse 16. Some of you may have therefore do not lose heart. So what that means is what he's writing in these verses is connected to what he just said. Well, what did Paul just get done talking about in verses 14 and 15? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the resurrection of Jesus. Maybe the fact that Jesus had raised from the dead and he said because of that, God will raise us also with him and bring us with him into his presence. That because Jesus rose from the dead, we also, as his children, 
will rise from the dead. That this life is not all there is, but because Jesus took your place, he lived the life you couldn't live to perfection, he died the death that you couldn't die to pay for your sin, and he rose again from the grave to demonstrate his power and authority. Because Jesus did that, do not lose heart. There is more than just this life. And in verse 16, he tells us unequivocally, so we do not lose heart. And he gives you three reasons why you don't lose heart. In verse 16, he says, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So number one, the reason why we as Christians do not lose heart in the midst of severe affliction is because our inner self is being renewed day by day. So we need to think through this. If we're going to talk about the inner self, guess what we should probably define? What is the outer self? He says, though our outer self is wasting away, decaying. What is the outer self? This body, right? Do I need to convince you that this outer body is decaying day by day? You feel it every morning. Even some of you young people in the room, you feel it. You get out of here, I can't do what I used to do. I hurt right here, I hurt. And some of you older folks are like, well, get, get ready. It gets worse. You ain't seen nothing yet. But do I need to prove to you that these outer bodies are decaying, wasting away? No, we feel it all the time. We see it around us. We see the people that we love and care for uh, decay and die. We see people that we, we really cherish. We see the impact that age and time has on our bodies. And what Paul is telling us is in the midst of affliction, if you only focus on the outer man, you're going to be quite depressed Amen. because this thing is wasting away. It's decaying. And if my hope is in what I can do with this, Oh, baby, it's going to be a rough life. But he says, though the outer man is wasting away, yet inwardly you are being renewed day by day. Okay, so God's focus in affliction, what Paul's telling us is, in affliction, our focus can't be simply what the outer body is doing, because that would lead to great despair, but to look at what God is doing in the inner man. What's the inward man then? If the outer man is the, the flesh, the body, what's the inward man? The spirit. And matter of fact, I think Paul talked about that. If you look back in verse 13, he says, Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak. Guess what we share together as Christians? The spirit of faith. That new creation that God has made us to be. Isn't that what Paul's going to go on and talk about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? We are therefore new creations. The old is gone. The new has come. Just so you know, that's inward man. That's your inner person. And so while the body is decaying and the outer man is wasting away, he says, do not lose heart as a Christian. You know why? Because your inner man is being renewed day by day. God is working to renew you spiritually day by day, regardless of your circumstances. Even in the midst of terrible affliction, guess what God's doing? While the outer body may be wasting away, he is renewing the inward man. Spiritually, he is encouraging you and feeding you and giving you strength to continue to minister. And you and I are going to need that if we're going to be proper ministers for Jesus. If you're going to be a proper follower of Jesus, you're going to need that renewing of the inner man. How often? Day 
by day. Because guess what? The afflictions don't stop. Some may ease up. Some may be uh, broken and yet more are yet to come. We're going to face afflictions and tribulations every day we live as a Christian. It's going to come in some form or fashion, but don't lose heart. You know why? While this body is decaying, God is stirring up and renewing spiritually his people. He is encouraging them, so don't give up. You and I need to remember that because life gets really hard, afflictions get really heavy, and we have a tendency to just focus on what's happening with the outer man instead of what God's doing inwardly. I'm speaking to the choir. I'm one who is dealing with this on a regular basis. I know y'all think I got this figured out. I don't. There are days when Jason's just worried about the outer man. And I have to be reminded, Jason, don't lose heart. While the outer man is decaying, God's doing something with the inner man. God's encouraging. God is stimulating my love for him. He's making me want to spend more time with him in his word and pray to him and depend on him more. I need that in the midst of affliction. And in fact, God brings affliction to bring us to just that point. Afflictions aren't bad when God sends them. They are actually for our good even though it doesn't feel that way. And I'll tell you what, if anybody had a reason to look on the outer man and be distressed, it would be Paul. He'd been beaten, starved, stuck in prisons most of his life. I mean, by the time he's writing this, he's probably a decrepit old man, unable to stand up straight, unable to see properly, body marked, his skin probably marked with whiplashes. He looks on the outer man, and guess what he says? Don't lose heart. I tell you what, you ever, you ever want to be reminded what God's doing? Just look on the outer man and go, man, don't lose heart. While this is decaying and wasting away, God is doing something in his people to stir up our love and affection for him and to renew our spirit to walk after him. But we only see that in the midst of affliction. That's how God operates, and it's one of his beautiful gifts to us. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And Paul intentionally in these verses continues to give us contrasts. He says there's the outer self, which is wasting away, and the inner self, which is being renewed. So in the midst of affliction, you do not lose heart because you look at what God's doing to the inner man, not the outer one. Number two. He says, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Do not lose heart. Why? Because God is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This is good news, isn't it? That in the midst of great tribulation and great trial, God is actually working to bring about an eternal weight of glory for us. So we should probably talk about what that means. Glory, when it's assigned to God, is talking about his weightiness, his worthiness, how valuable he is. When we say, to God be the glory, what we're saying is, to God be ascribed the value that he actually is. That he is that important, that majestic. The reason you and I should be singing praise songs to God is because we find him to be weighty. He's valuable. He is a treasure. To God be the glory that there is no one weightier than him. No one more valuable, no one more treasured than God is to us. But that's not what it means when it talks about human beings. God deserves that kind of glory, but we don't. But he does say, and he promises that we will be glorified as his people. 
What does it mean for human beings to experience glory? Well, it means to be finally perfect. It means to look like Jesus. And God promises that no matter what happens in this life, when you get to the end as his follower, you will be presented to the Father as what? Glorious. As perfect. Completely made right. The perfect image bearer of God. Doesn't mean we're Jesus, but it does mean that in Christ, we're finally the perfect reflectors of God that we were meant to be. Just so you know, all the afflictions you face, according to Paul, don't lose heart because all those afflictions are preparing you and preparing an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs every trial and affliction you will face. So what Paul's doing is he's bringing you some scales out. And he's saying, let's weigh out your afflictions and let's weigh out the glory God's going to bring because of it. He says, our light and moment. This is Paul who was nearly beaten to death. He was shipwrecked, starving, naked, didn't have a thing. And guess what he says about his afflictions? They're light and they're momentary. Seriously? And I wake up and get upset that my debit card didn't go through? Seriously? I wake up and get upset because we're almost out of almond milk. What in the world? I can't believe I have to put gas in my own car again. How? This is the worst. Here's Paul, beaten within an inch of his life, starving, naked, nothing. And he says, my, my light and momentary afflictions. Folks, this is how we properly weigh out the things we go through as Christians. As believers in Jesus, Paul says when we look at our afflictions, they are light. And they are what? Thank God they're momentary. Now that does not mean necessarily they will go away in this life. You understand that? Momentary may mean you die with them. But they don't carry on forever, do they? Because in Christ's presence... There's an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs any affliction we faced. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though this is wasting away, God's doing something inside. Don't lose heart. Because our light and momentary afflictions, notice what he says, are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Guess how that weight of glory gets prepared? you got to walk through affliction. If you want that kind of glory, guess what you have to walk through? Affliction. So don't lose heart because every, it's almost as if Paul was looking at his afflictions as, man, every affliction that comes to me is like more and more glory in the end. Like he's just piling it up. Come on, affliction. Now, it doesn't mean he was looking for it. But he realized what affliction was accomplishing in his life. Guess what, folks? We do not lose heart when we rightly view our afflictions for what they are. They are light. They are momentary considering the reality of eternity. It may not feel that way in the moment you go through it. It may feel like the heaviest thing ever that can never have any relief. But just so you know, Paul is reminding us as Christians, your afflictions, though they may be burdensome and extremely heavy when they're compared to the glory that you will experience in the end, they are light and momentary. Remember that when you're prone to despair. When all you can see is the outside. When all you can see is the circumstances. Remember God's doing something, which means your afflictions are not pointless. As a Christian, the afflictions you face as a believer in Jesus are preparing for you an eternal weight of glory. 
guess what? God's making you fit for his kingdom through the afflictions you face. Woo, baby. That's why Paul says, bring it, bring it on. Whatever God walks me through, he knew. Why? Because he knew that one day, Philippians chapter 3, I'll receive the upward call of Jesus. I'll ascend the stairs and I'll ascend to my God who I've served and I've worshipped. He will place the crown of victory on my head. He says, I look forward to that. Not looking behind, looking to what's ahead. Christians, don't lose heart. In the midst of affliction, don't look behind. Don't just look at your circumstances. Look ahead. Look to what God is preparing you for. It is to ascend and finally be victorious over sin, Satan, and death, all because Jesus did it for you. Therefore, do not lose heart. Number three, verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So why do we not lose heart? Number three, we don't lose heart because the things that are unseen are eternal. We don't lose heart because there is life after this. If we don't believe there's life after this, then we are truly going to be miserable people. Paul says that if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most to be pitied. We have hope, but it's not just for what this life can bring because this life is wasting away. We have hope because there is eternal matters at stake. There is eternity in sight. So he says, when you're going through affliction, don't lose heart. Don't look to what is seen. Look to what is unseen. Because what is seen is going away, but what is unseen is eternal. Folks, when I go through affliction, you know what I'm constantly staring at? That thing right in front of me. The circumstances, they seem overwhelming, don't they? Have you ever gone to sleep thinking about a problem, woke up, and the second you, you had consciousness, you started thinking about that problem again? Yeah. And it's just like heavy, it's burdensome, you can't get rid of it. What God has to do for us in the midst of our afflictions is remind us there's something eternal happening here. So don't just look at what's seen. Look at what's unseen. That sounds funny, doesn't it? Look at what's unseen. How can you look at what you can't see? How can you look at what you can't see? Nobody knows? What's that? By faith? Your spirit instead of your eyes? Hmm. Author of Hebrews talked about something like that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Things not seen. So how do we do that? How do we help you? Okay, how can we help you in your affliction as a Christian? How can we as a church and as Christians together help you in the midst of your affliction to see what is unseen? Ooh, to turn our eyes, turn our eyes back to Jesus again, right? That's hard, isn't it? When all the circumstances of life are wearing, and it seems too much, and we have, a, we have a tendency to do what? Even as Christians, we have a tendency to just look at what's in front of us, just look at what is seen. And if we do that, we're not looking at what God has done and what God is doing. 
So maybe what God is telling us is we don't lose heart because in the midst of our afflictions, we turn our eyes back to Jesus again. We need to be reminded of who he is and what he's done for us. We need to be reminded of what Jesus is doing for us right now. He is interceding on our behalf to the Father to supply every need that we have. In the midst of affliction, God knows we're going to have a tendency to just start looking at the circumstances. And in order to help lead us to not lose heart, what does he call us to do? Fix your eyes back on Jesus again. How do we do that? Kind of what we're doing right now, which is open up the Bible and read about him. Think about him. Meditate about what Christ has done. Stir on it. Actually, immerse yourself in it. Don't pick up your Bible once every three weeks. How about you pick it up every day because you need to see Jesus again. You need to be reminded of how great he is again. Not because you got to. God's going to strike me dead if I don't read three pages of this. But you do it because you want to see Jesus again in the midst of all of your terrible circumstances. You want to behold Christ one more time. And through that, you fix your eyes back on Jesus. Over, You pray. You spend time with him. You help to, God helps you to fix your eyes back on what is actually worth something. That isn't transient and going away, but something that is eternal. And that is the life that only Jesus can bring to his people. Therefore, do not lose heart. Don't look at the things that are seen. Look at the things that are unseen because the things that are seen are transient and the things that are unseen are eternal. In the midst of your affliction, in the midst of my affliction, look at Jesus again. Turn your eyes back on him again. Behold him. Remind yourself daily of who you are and how desperately you need him. Remind yourself as a believer every morning that you are rescued by the king. And you are able to say no to sin. And you are able to walk through affliction in righteousness and love for God. Remind yourself of what Jesus has purchased for you and then live it out every day. Tell other people about him and continue to spark that reminder that in Christ we have everything we need regardless of the afflictions. So what do we do with this? Three reasons not to lose heart. All done by contrast between the things that are fading away and the things that are eternal. The things that are decaying and the things that last. How do we handle this? What do we do with it? I'm glad you asked. I have three things I want to remind us of before we close. Number one, we do not do this by acting like afflictions aren't real or painful. God is not calling Christians to pretend that everything is okay. Amen. Folks, can I help you? Stop pretending it's okay. It's okay to say it's not okay. Afflictions aren't something to be hidden, buried in the sand. Now, certainly it doesn't mean we go out and look for it. I'm not asking you to run out and find as much affliction as you can. I'm not actually, I'm just saying that when God brings it, don't run from it. And don't act like it doesn't hurt. God is able to carry your burden. He's not asking you to pretend. And we as a church, as fellow Christians, can we, can we make a pledge to each other as Christians of Fairhaven? We don't have to hide around each other. You don't have to act like it's okay. 
because you will find people here who know exactly what you're talking about. They might not know the exact circumstances you're walking through, but they feel your pain. And they're here to help you carry it. But they can't do it if we're acting like it's all okay. So when you show up to church and someone asks you how you're doing, certainly you don't have to feel free to spew everything out on them, but you can tell them it's not going great. You can tell them I'm hurting. You can tell them I need you to pray for me. That's how God brings us comfort in the midst of our afflictions. So don't act like afflictions aren't a big deal, especially around your coworkers and friends and neighbors. They don't need to think that a Christian is perfect in every way and never experiences tribulation and affliction. They need to see you walk through affliction with joy and looking to what is unseen. So let's not act like affliction isn't real or isn't painful Let us see that God brings comfort in the midst of them. Number two, we need to remind ourselves daily and weekly of what Christ has purchased for us. See, I don't know about you, but I need encouragement, and I need someone focusing my eyes back on Jesus again every day. One hour a Sunday ain't going to do it for me. One hour a Sunday isn't going to do it for me. I need you guys every day to be pointing me back to Jesus again. And if I need it, I can guess you probably do too. And so the way we do this, the way we live this out is we daily and weekly, both individually and as a church, we continue to call each other to look at Jesus again. Poke each other to look at Christ one more time. Remember what he's done for you. Remember how he's paid the price for you. Remember how he's rescued you. You need that encouragement, and so do I. So don't forsake it. Don't forsake these relationships in this room. You and I need them if we're not going to lose heart. If we're going to receive the comfort God has for us, it's going to come in community with one another, loving each other and supporting each other when the times come. So we need to remind ourselves daily and to gather together regularly to fix our eyes back on Jesus again. And then number three, folks, this is really, really important. I need you to write this down or remember it. Number three, these verses are only true if you're a Christian. These verses only apply to you if you're a Christian. Paul's not writing to a group in general. He's writing to a church of Christians. And he's saying, therefore, you and I don't lose heart. And the reason we don't lose heart is because it's based on everything Jesus has done for us. So, folks, this doesn't apply unless we are in Jesus, unless we are forgiven by him. There is no renewing of the inner man apart from Christ. There is no proper weighing of affliction if we're not in Jesus. There is no turning our eyes to what is unseen if we're not in Jesus. No amount of religious activity can make this true for you. So what you and I need to realize is that these verses apply to us if we believe in Christ. If we're trusting in him for salvation and rescue alone. So we're not going into the world telling people just suck it up, you'll get through it. We don't go into our workplaces and our neighborhoods just telling families it'll be okay. If we're not in Jesus, it won't be okay. We need Christ. I know that's hard to say. I know it's hard to believe because we're being so certain about that. But that's what Paul is telling us. That because Jesus rose from the dead, these things are true about you. So folks, this morning what you need 
is not to suck it up and try harder in the midst of your affliction. What you need is to believe on Jesus Christ, to believe that his death is the only death that can pay for your sin, that he's the only one who can secure the forgiveness of God for you, that Jesus alone can take you from the dominion of darkness and bring you into the kingdom of his beloved son, that Jesus is the only one who can save you and your family. He is the only one who can supply eternal hope because apart from him, there is no eternal joy. Only he can bring it to you. It's only through him. So this morning, Christians, I want you to live lives not losing heart, continually focusing back on what Jesus has done for you and what he is doing and what he's going to do in the future. That you would turn your eyes and fix them not just on the outer man, not just on the circumstances you're facing, but you would turn your eyes not to what is seen but what is unseen. That you would look again on Jesus and remind yourself that you need him desperately in the midst of your afflictions. And that in Christ, all of your afflictions that God brings are because he's going to work in you an eternal weight of glory that is greater than anything you're facing in this life. You need Christ. For those in the room who are trusting in your own religious goodness, you're hoping to save yourself by being a good person or doing good things, I want to tell you this morning that you cannot find eternal joy and hope and peace apart from Jesus Christ. You need to turn away from your sin, turn away from trying to be your own God, and turn to the only true wise God who has given his own son for you. And to seek the forgiveness of God by the blood of Jesus. And the good news of the Bible is, if you call upon the name of Christ for forgiveness, guess what God does? He forgives. God never turns away anybody who seeks forgiveness through Christ. This morning... You need that. If you are going to find hope in the midst of affliction, you need Christ this morning. So that's all I can lay before you is Jesus. This morning, look at him again. Turn your eyes to him. Whether it's for salvation to begin or whether it's for the outworking of our salvation every single day. We need Christ and this morning you need to turn your eyes back to him. And so I'm going to encourage each one of us to do that. We're going to sing a song this morning our response song, and that's just a time for you to do business with God. Whether it's in your seat or up front, whether it's here, you need to respond to God. God expects his word to take root and do something in the hearts of people. So we can't walk out the same way we walked in if we've had an encounter with the good news of Christ. So this morning, I'm asking you to respond, whether it's for the first time or whether it's for the thousandth time. You need to look on Jesus this morning. Maybe it's to confess sin. Maybe it's to realize you've been trying to live out affliction in your own power and not under his. Maybe it's because you've been so overcome by the circumstances of your life, you've taken your eyes off of Christ for a little while. Maybe it's just to once again remind yourself that you need Jesus desperately to live this life. And Christians, that we might remind ourselves one more time that we do not lose heart in the midst of our afflictions. Because we have Christ, and he has promised that he will glorify us in the presence of our Father in the end. And that is good news for us, to be presented perfect before God by Jesus, the only one who can do it. This morning, turn your eyes back on Christ one more time. Would you pray with me?
Heavenly Father, I ask you, by the power of your spirit, Father, I ask you to change hearts in this room. Father, I ask you to save people if they're not. God, I ask you to draw people away from their sin. God, that you would give each one of us a hatred for sin, that we hate what it looks like, we hate what it does. And Father, that you might stir in us a hate for sin and a love for you. That we would see your weightiness, God. That you truly are glorious and you are greater. And you bring better joy. You bring all sufficient joy that sin only tries to promise to us. You actually deliver it through your son, Jesus. So, Father, this morning, would you please save souls? People who may have been in church their whole life, God, would you help them to see that it's not about being good, it's not about being religious, it's not about reading their Bible, it's not about giving money, it's not about attending a church, but God, it's about trust in Jesus alone. And God, that you might show them once and for all that they can never earn forgiveness from you, and you're not asking them to, but God, they would turn away from their sin, realize its ugliness, hate it, and they would turn to Christ and find forgiveness everlasting. God, would you do that, please? Would you deliver people from death and sin? God, would you stir up in them the courage to say that they need you? God, would you stir up courage in people's hearts to finally admit they are spiritually sick and they need a doctor? Father, I pray you would do that this morning so that you might rescue souls and ransom families for you. And Father, I pray for Christians in the room. God, afflictions abound. We have people here right now who are hurting in major ways this morning. People who have come in here dragging this morning. It took everything they had to get here. God, they just wanted to stay home. They just wanted to forget for a little bit about what life is bringing at them. But God, I thank you in your word, you expose us to the fact that these afflictions are real. They hurt, God, they are painful, but they're not worthy to be compared to the glory that you're bringing to your people. So Father, help us to fix our eyes as Christians, not on our temporary circumstances, God, because one day they're gone. One day they are no more. God, help us to fix our eyes on you alone and the eternal life you have brought us through your Son. That we do not despair, God. We do not give up hope. God, we do not quit walking after you because every bit of glory is far better than any affliction we'll face. Remind us one more time time of that, God. Remind us in the midst of our sorrow and grief and weariness. Remind us, God, that you are powerful in the midst of it. God, you are our hope. You're all we have. Jesus, you're our king. There's no one else who can rescue us. You are it. So, Father, we cry out to you. We ask you, help us to look at Jesus. Help us to see his beauty this morning and help us to praise him. You are worth it all, God, and we cling to you today. Draw us, God, to yourself and help us to find joy and life in him. Do all of this, God, so that more people would worship you, more people would see your beauty and turn to you. God, do it all because no one deserves worship 
like you do. We love you. We love you, God. We ask you to receive our praise today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.